The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Brandon Peters show and the penultimate episode of the summer of 93 at 30. It's the summer of 93 at 30. Which is a weekend by weekend look at the movies released during the summer of 1993. As always with me from the, 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 the rap. It's Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. I'm not sure why I'm day glow at the moment, but looks cool. Yeah, the Spotify listeners appreciate that description. And this can is not purple. It's actually blue in real life. Oh. This podcast is sponsored by Zevia. Zevia, please send me more because they're expensive. Oh, okay. Smash, what what are they? Are they a, sp- a sparkling <laughs> water drink? It's a healthy soda thing that actually oh, okay. isn't terrible for you. It doesn't I, taste like club soda like so many of the other ones do. Uh, I Instead love it. Of- Spindrift, but my wife's like, can we stop it with those? Those are really expensive. So instead of sugar, does Zevia have stevia? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. And that voice, the the expert on the stevia in the drinks, is a writer for We Live Entertainment, also the senior editor, uh, for also writer for Wise of Blue and Variety, and hosts out now with Aaron and Abe. Hello, it's Aaron Newerth. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy we've got our uh, our joint gift certificates to Capoeira lessons. That's really going to come in handy by the time we finish this whole episode. So let's yes, do this. Here we go. All right, we're going to get into it because we have five films today from the weekend that was August 27th through 29th too many. of 1993. Scott says too many. I say maybe he's probably right. That's a lot. Uh, I think that we did... We've one, done four. We've done we've done one or two fours. We've, we've done many fours. Many fours. Uh, um, but Scott, in summer '82, we had we had one weekend with five, right? Or two? Like it just so happens. Look, since I had my third kid, I've had the short-term memory of a goldfish. I don't remember. I I, I feel that. I I read I his reviews. I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, I used to pride myself on my memory and then children and then none. Um well, some of us still have youthful agency to keep those memory bites. There we go. Aaron is here to keep us in place. Never have kids. <laughs> Your complaints about Scott and I not remembering things from few episodes back have been answered with us adding Aaron to this series. So there you are. So, all right, we'll start it off as we always do with the news. When I wake up. Don't you know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who brings the news to you. Collegiate Baseball Magazine's editor calls it a masterpiece, the best drill video ever produced. This video is endorsed by top professionals like superstar Fred McGriff. This is the instructional video that gets results. The defensive drills video benefits players of all ages and ability levels and makes a great gift too, so call now. Who died? Oh, you want to start there? Uh, Sure. Actor Charles Scorsese died this week. Actor Dorian Corey, uh, Countess, and actress Renee Ray, 
uh, U.S. activist in uh, a U.S. activist in South Africa was murdered. Her name was Amy Beale, and actress Edwina Lewis. Those are the deaths this week. But none of those are funny. Edwina is not a name you hear these days. While people were mourning on August 23rd, Fred McGriff and David Justice are become the sixth pair of players to hit back-to-back home runs twice in the same game. Oh, okay. Remember David Justice? He was a big deal back. He dated Holly Berry, right? That was they were. A I thing. just remember he had a cool name, yeah. David Justice. Justice and Fred McGriff, the crime of oh, those crime dog. <laughs> no. The crime bat or something. They they cry, they call them something like McGriff McGriff the crime dog. He was McGriff the crime. <laughs> he was, they related something. him to because his name was slightly similar. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is he even from Chicago? <laughs> no, no, I don't All think right. so. Uh, we'll Bite out of baseball. <laughs> On August twenty third, at the breakfast table in the Mendelssohn House, they were talking about the what? New York Dow Jones Index reaching a record high of three thousand six hundred thirty eight point ninety six points. It's one of Aaron's True. earliest memories was reading that in the paper. And that's uh, why I work in business today. <laughs> there you go. Uh, on August 24th, uh, Mars Observer comes closest to hey. Mars. All right. Who would have thought? Uh, uh, two days later, on August 26th, Ernest Shonacan, Shonacan? Shonacan? Saves Christmas? Is appointed interim. Stupid? Well, he is appointed interim president of Nigeria by General oh, Ibrahim Babagina. Ah, he goes to Africa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Finish this sentence. On August 27th, the rainbow bridge connecting Tokyo's Shibara and the island of Odi- Odaiba is... Horrifically destroyed by Godzilla? Becomes the scene of a horrific, catastrophic Mario Kart adventure? Completed. All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like ours with, better. With the help of Godzilla. Yeah, know? with the help of Godzilla, yes. Um, wait, wait, how does Godzilla help build a bridge? Have you he's not always a villain, Scott. He Come is on. yeah. This is that this is the Haishi era right now. Does he even okay? have opposable thumbs? I don't pay that much attention. He oh, has okay. for one thing, yes. And he has <laughs> a couple of I should have asked uh Ethan, he'd know that. All right. Uh and August 29th. Uh, the 93rd U.S. Golf Amateur Championship. The winner is John Harris. Good. Mazel tov. I was rooting. All right. And born this week, we have two biggies. One Direction's Liam Payne. Ah. The other one. And actress Kiki Palmer. Yeah. Woo! Kiki, there we are. That was gonna be like another One Direction member. It's like, oh, that's weird. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Was uh, it Nile? What? Was it Nile? Nile, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, the news for this week. And we will move on to our first of five films. Uh, anybody, would anybody go five for five on not seeing these before? No. What are these movies? <laughs> um, let me remind myself what we're talking yeah, about. I have a short-term memory. No, yeah, I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. What was a short-term memory, huh? <laughs> I, no, I, I had because I'd seen the... the, the I can one. do whatever I want with my day. I, I, watched it. I watched him last week, which was a long time ago. We're talking short-term memory. 
<laughs> yes, I, I had seen the one because I'd seen it. Okay, uh, but all yeah. right. Not so you, I no, I'd seen I'd seen a pair of them. Okay, but one was so long ago, like well, both of them were so long ago, they were fresh almost. So, uh, we will begin with a little bit of action in only the strong. It's called Capoeira. You ready to try this yet? It started in Brazil. I want you to turn that music up. Now the beat is sweeping America. I like that. It moves to a power all its own. This is a jinga. Can't jinga, can't fight. It's turning the toughest kids in Miami. You had a job you were supposed to do last night. Into heroes. You don't own this neighborhood no more. Only the strong. Rated PG-13. So, Scott, you got to sit this one out. All right. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> directed by Sheldon. Oh, yeah. The Strong. Directed by Sheldon Ledich. Uh, this is a Van Damme guy. He did Lionheart, yeah. Double Impact, The Order, <laughs> The Hard Course, and he writes Legionnaire and Bloodsport and then polishes scripts for The Quest and Second in Command. So when Van Damme went for Hard Target, he's like, ah, you got to sit this one out, Sheldon. Here, take yeah. this one I don't want to do. And we'll do it here. But he also wrote Rambo 3 and 2015's Max. Van Damme could have been good in this movie. I, it's, I it's, like in this in this role, I could see it working. Here. It is 100% one of his movies. Like you can tell. Yeah. Like you just like yoinked him out and put someone else in. Uh, it's written by Sheldon Ledich and Luis Esteban and stars Mark DeCascos, uh, Stacey Travis, Jeffrey Lewis, Paco Christian Prieto, Todd Sussman, Jeffrey Anderson Gunter, and Richard Coco. Uh, Ex-Special Forces soldier Louis Stevens returns to Miami to find his former high school overrun by drugs and violence. A master of the Brazilian martial art, Copera, Stevens pledges to straighten out a dozen of the school's worst students by teaching him this demanding and highly disciplined fighting style. Okay, this is Military Vet Beats Up Students, the movie. <laughs> it's Standing a subgenre, if we're being honest. Yeah, so, uh, Scott, only the strong. Um, I had not seen this one before. Um, I think it's actually pretty fun for the first half. Where it's it feels like a kinder, gentler version of like what was a class of nineteen eighty nine that we watched. Yeah, nineteen eighty four, class of eighty four. Oh wow, yep, Jesus! Yep. There, there's a sequel called Class of nineteen ninety nine to it. Fair enough. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, this this one obviously isn't nearly as dystopian. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a certain charm in him winning over the children and and doing his thing without being you know a jerk about it. But I do think that. The second half and more so the last third, just by, almost by default, it's like it sort of trips into formula. It's like, oh, there's going to be a big fight and 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 it's going to be about who has the most members on their army, so to speak. And uh, again, it, the movie is what it is. I, mean, I wasn't expecting anything particularly groundbreaking. Uh, I enjoy him. You know, I, I he's somebody that you know pops up now and then, but you know, obviously he was the bad guy in John Wick Three. He's got a he's, really solid career. Like I yeah, like he's done a on, like, ton of stuff, like quality things. Let's not forget this. Yeah, yeah. he looks and, at, you know, at this age. He kind of looks like a like a faux Brandon Lee at this point. Yeah. Where where I'm like, oh, yeah. why didn't oh, yeah. they call him up for the crow? <laughs> both in a double dragon since he, they got your, they got your guys. Yeah. they couldn't have gotten Lee apparently for that one. Right. They needed, needed Scott Wolf. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I don't want to oversell the film. It's not good, 
And I think it ends in a very generic, relatively uninspiring fashion. Um, but it was a pleasant time killer for 90 minutes. I liked seeing him in a major lead role and considering this whole, you know, hard ass Thames delinquent high schoolers thing really was a genre in the eighties and nineties. This one is a not terrible version of that. Gotcha. Aaron. This one is a terrible version of that. Um, (laughs) uh, The idea of stand and deliver, except it's capoeira instead of calculus. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was amused at the idea of it. And I can agree with Scott that the first half is entertaining. I'm, you know, I'm at a point where like, when you have a, a story like this that doesn't require a certain element and then they throw that in, I'm like, there we go. And it's always <laughs> guns and gangs. And it's like, even I get inner cities, whatever, like, okay, it was this inevitable maybe, but at the same time, it's like, this is not a movie that needed to end with gangs and guns and them being like, okay, we got to stop this guy. Cause he's a bad element of the school. And the only way to do it is using our teacher and the skills of capoeira that we've learned over the course of the year um, to impress our vice principal. Who's a real hard ass about these kids. Um, this is a nonsense movie. I'm not against nonsense movies, but it's, it's really badly acted. <laughs> There's some very, very bad performances throughout this thing uh, that it, it kept me from in a way where it it wasn't like getting me to the point where like, this is fun because of how bad it is. It's just more of like, no, <laughs> just the idea had the, the skeleton of this thing and just kind of inserted people in here that were available and it trods along good soundtrack. I enjoyed the, the since they had Capoeira, they're like, let's have a, let's have a soundtrack that reflects the fighting style or what have you. And this is this it's big Jeffrey Summer right now too because Jeffrey Lewis is in this one and another movie from this week that we're going to yes. talk. Yes, so I was like, that's exciting. Uh, and a real Lewis family family going on here this summer since Julia Lewis is around in other movies. <laughs> so we got Jeffrey Lewis coming in here trying to lend some authority to this thing, but you know this isn't stand and deliver. This isn't lean on me. It's maybe better than High School High, I guess, but this is not a good movie. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, are, are you sure? High School High is way deliver? better than this. Well, okay, I don't know. Stand and Deliver, and uh, it's a tough it, one. It's probably better than Dangerous Minds. Um, doesn't yes, and that, that's perhaps why I was somewhat terrible toward it. Doesn't have as good of a song, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, this is a this is a real mess around. Um, I can't even say, like, Dragasco is a guy who's very capable of doing martial arts. I can't say this movie is really, for a guy that's directing lots of Van Damme films, I can't say this is a movie that really highlights his ability, um, which is a shame. He certainly does moves, like it's, but, I mean, this isn't the movie that's going to, you know, wow you with what Dragasco is capable of. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to bag on this movie some more, I guess. But um, <laughs> this this felt like, you you could just tweak a couple things. This could be like the unnecessary like origin story movie for uh, that character from Street Fighter named DJ. <laughs> you know, like Street Fighter. You know, like they did Street Fighter Chun Li and like Street Fighter DJ. This would be what you know, just flip some things around. If it was like the Miguel Ch- Nunez Jr. version from the movie, sure, yeah, yeah, change the change the you know character you know, main character the setting to like what the Bahamas or something is that where DJ's from, 
Jamaica. Right. Jamaica. Jamaica. Um, get it through. And I was just like weirded out when it first started because I was like, whoa, is, he's like beating up Kit. Like, that's um okay. He's like really kicking kids and, and all they that stuff. Coming. He's yeah. got to teach coming. He's got to teach them. He's got to teach them. He's like the calmest dude in the world, you know, like, oh, the, I just, there's nobody engaging here. I, I mean, I was neat to see like, uh, what, what's her name? Um, Stacy Travis. Like, I was like, oh, okay. The, her with a big lead role where they're just like, ooh, look, the hottest teacher in town. Hey, that woman's coming with me. All this stuff. Okay. That's, that's where we're at here. Um, none of the actions good or the fights. Like, if at least had that, that'd be something. But I, I don't know. I'm just like, gosh, like, Miami Connection's better than this. Well, Miami Connection's better than a lot of things, Brent. It is better than a lot of things, but, like, it wins in the music. I mean... It definitely wins maybe in the Maybe even the action. Loyalty, honesty? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> the action even. Like, I, the characters are more lovable and engaging. Like They're definitely more lovable. Yeah. Is this a Miami Connection podcast all of a sudden? Yes, we just back we back. I need to watch that, apparently. <laughs> yo, yo, you you haven't seen Miami Connection? That's I keep meaning to, and it's really oh my God. It's, a, oh. yeah. it's a joy. Yeah. I'll put it on my list. Treat yourself. I'm jealous you get to watch it for the first time. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, this, yeah, this, there's no cool, like, they're in Florida, but it looks like the desert a lot of the time. <laughs> I, maybe it's just the, the copy. I had to watch, but like it's yeah, this is some drab shit. Like I don't know, because um, yeah, it's like this could be an LA thing, and you're like, okay, like urban drama, whatever. But it's like this is Florida, like what? This is Florida, <laughs> and yeah, there's a, a Florida that wants a Florida that wants to be like Jamaica or the Bahamas or something like that. I just I never really feel the Florida ness in it. I just I don't know they they had some cheap places to film this um like they needed more anti Disney signs in the background yeah. to places that are like school <laughs> yeah places that are like school but it's just like abandoned places they got for cheap to to film in and didn't fill them up much and like I I don't know <sighs> yeah these characters like the actors God, they suck like I don't know it's I, I have nothing to say much about more about this than you guys have already gone through. And yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. It does feel like it, it feels like something that's there, like a first draft of like something for Jean-Claude Van Damme maybe, but, ah, uh, but here he did like Lionheart and shit. So like that, that covers this ground. So, well, Scott, I'm glad I made your top ten for the summer, though. That's great. Yeah, like yes, by default. Happy, no. happy for you. I mean, whatever. I, I I don't disagree with anything you said. It just, I guess, I was just exactly in the right mood. Mm. Yes, uh, I'm always in the right mood. This is just a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. It's the movies that are wrong. It's the <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. But, uh, Aaron, are you in the mood for love? As we move on here, we're going to leave Only the Strong behind and move on to the thing called love. Her name is Miranda. Miranda Presley. 
No relation. She works in a world of wannabes and hopefuls. How do you like Nashville so far? I'm writing a song about a waitress who kills herself. She sings in a world of her dreams. Your song is a novelty song, and maybe you need to dig in a little deeper. And you are so worried about turning out like everybody else. You will never, ever make it as a songwriter. My name is Miranda Presley, and maybe I haven't yet, but someday I will write a song that'll make you regret you ever said it. You got a thing or two. can change your life forever. The thing called love. Uh, which is directed by Peter Bogdanovich, written by Carol Heikinen, uh, starring... Samantha Mathis, River Phoenix, Dermot Mulroney, Sandra Bullock, K.T. Oslin, Anthony Clark, Pam Tillis, Trisha Yearwood, and others as themselves. There's some other, you know, there's some stars in here like Trisha Yearwood and such. Uh, it's about a group of newcomers to the country music business that seek love and stardom. Uh, just like Aaron. So we'll let Aaron start here. I wrote down alternate titles for some of these. Um, oh, did only the strong have an alternate title? A stand in Capoeira. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> this one um, I have. Not like uh, Dangerous Kicks or whatever? I have uh, The Last Honky Tonk Show. Um, I, this isn't a good movie either. <laughs> Um, it's got better acting in it by default because there's better mm-hmm. actors in it. I'm always down for for Dermot, you know, bring big bring Dermot Mulroney in here. I'm uh, sorry, yeah, no, I'm right. <laughs> I was just like I didn't confuse him. Um, like <laughs> the. Uh. This is the kind of thing where, like, I have no interest in this kind of story like, as far as what it's doing. It's not my music, so I'm not, like, connecting with it anyway. I'm just trying to see, like, okay, can these, can can Samantha Mathis and River Phoenix make a thing of it? And this kind of, and it, bless them for trying, but, like, this story just kind of sagged for me. I just kind of kept watching, like, waiting for something to happen. And it's like, I, I like that it's, I can admire that it's low-key as far as the stakes are really low. There's no high stakes in here whatsoever. There's thankfully not a, you know, like we need guns to spice this up at the end. Like that was nice. <laughs> I was worried. I kept being worried. It's like, is there some kind of like dramatic twist going to take place that really throws us off? It's like, no, that's not the thing. Um, and then like, uh, you know, having like young Sandra Bullock in here also, which is weird to say for 93, but like <laughs> her, her being like, you know, fourth build or whatever. It was like, Oh, okay. Um, 
but uh, it, it's just I just wasn't very engaged by this movie, and I was hoping to be a bit because like, well, this is River Phoenix is like his last completed this, film, right? Yep, he dies uh, two months later uh, on Halloween night, and this is his last completed movie. His final performance in Dark Blood would be released in 2012. Well, I got I got confused by the release date on this one. I was curious why this is this move this week is the movie's date because it seems like it came out a variety of times. Mm. But reg- regardless, you chose it. You put it on here, so we're doing. Well, it. no, this is its actual widest release, but it was it went limited first, and they were hoping to expand it, but it did so poorly. They just yeah, it's like <laughs> no, like Paramount's like lowest grossing movie of the year. It, it was the most unprofitable movie of 1993. Okay, because I, I like read, I read Ebert's review and it didn't come out to like January 94. So I'm like, what's going on with this? Thing? Um, yeah. Um, if I recall, they opened it. I assume for awards. In Southern, you know, quote unquote, limited platform release. They were going to take it wider mm-hmm. after the summer, but then Phoenix died. Yeah. And I can see, I can see the, this is here nor there. I can see the issue yeah. as far as like, how do you deal with that? All of that said, getting back to the Phoenix factor, I, I, I don't think he's that good here. I, I I feel like he I feel like there's a lot of strain coming from him that could be related to the various issues he was going through. Bogdanovich uh, said that he was struggling on set. That's not surprising. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean it it feels apparent in a way that didn't make me feel great. Where I'm like, this is kind of this is sad. <laughs> like watching this and like mm-hmm. knowing there's like probably some trouble happening. Um I mean, you guys go. You guys, we could expand more on this, but yeah, I just, I, I wasn't digging it. No, I, I agree. I think River Phoenix, who I always thought was a fine one actor, I he's the one character in this film I don't particularly care for all that much. Partially that's because he's you know kind of a you know not he's a copter asshole like that. Yeah, he's plan. a jackass. Yeah, and you keep thinking, no, the one get, away from him, get away from him. Um, but. The film is slow. It's not particularly engrossing overall. There were individual scenes and individual moments that I quite enjoyed. Sure. Obviously, most of the musical numbers are quite, you know, compelling. Like uh, there is, you know, it is unfortunate that country music has become associated with a certain political bent because there is a sincerity and gee whiz value that I occasionally enjoy. Um, that being said, it's it's it is fun seeing Sandra Bullock in a very, very early role. And it's fun seeing Dilma Maroney in a very earlier, not super early, but early role. Um, and it's like all three of them deserve to be the focus more than River Phoenix's character. And to be fair, it is Samantha Mass's movie. But the entire time, it, it almost feels like, and this is intentionally hyperbolic but he's almost like the villain of the picture but to a certain extent because of the kind of movie it is like are we supposed to hope that they eventually patch things up and get together yeah and it's like spoilers they don't but you know by that point the movie is over and all you're left with is you know broken dreams and and what could have been you know, without being too obvious, it's there's a case to be made that she should have been with Mulroney and that would have been a better match and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a particularly good film. There are things about it I like, but not enough to, you know, give it the metaphorical thumbs up. Yeah, I, I guess I, I was 
I liked more of this movie than I didn't. Um, watching it, I'm not a country music fan by any means, but I do I do enjoy you know watching Peter Bogdanovich films, and I I actually I I like the city of like Nashville, which is odd because it's honky tonk country, but um, that's not my like scene, but it's a pretty cool city, uh, fun visit. Uh, for a weekend or whatnot uh, to go see because there's a lot of fun stuff there. It's a cool vibe. Um, and this is an interesting story, uh, you know, up and covers with, in the music industry, whether it be any genre can be uh, compelling. Um, but I think this one, one of the things, it falls into that 90s, like, young people romance movie problems where the girl yeah. always likes that totally problematic shithead because he's cool or played by the cooler actor and this is like the reality bites syndrome is what i can call it yes where we all are sitting here like oh fuck this guy no 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 and the the problem is yeah i i'll say that yeah yes females are allowed to make the mistakes they're allowed to do the you know must love dogs whatever they're allowed to to do that they're allowed to you know go for what they want but like in our sense of movie enjoyment some it's weird because Samantha Mathis and, and River Phoenix were an item. Um, she's got better screen chemistry with Dermot Maroney. Their scenes are much more engaging and better to watch. And he seems like the type of guy, but I guess we're, maybe we're trying to show us like he's easy to win, so he's not a challenge to her, and she wants to challenge herself musically and romantically, and this guy seems like he's got it when he doesn't got it at all, but you're an idiot. You got hoodwinked by him or something. But, like, I don't know. Like... There's something there, and Dermot Maroney's very good in this movie. Like I was, this is like general, I like Maroney a lot. He's, yeah, he's yeah. He, you know, of uh, of him or Dylan, I know which one's which because one can act, and um, they all perform their songs in this movie. Um, they wrote many of them as well, which I think is a neat factor. Um, but Maroney's like an yeah. accomplished cellist, if I'm not mistaken. Too. Like he is yeah. like. A- yeah, he has a very high musical background in the, to begin with. Yeah, and Sandra Bullock's got some interesting story going on in the background that I kind of you kind of just keep getting. I'm like, can we focus on her for a moment just so I can figure out what's going on? They have that the this like hotel that like they live at or motel that could only exist in a freaking movie. Like, I I <laughs> never I want to stay at a hotel that's like, what kind of room am I getting? That's bullshit. Like, <laughs> I don't know that that exists. And if it did, they wouldn't be able to afford staying in there. But um, there's there's some compelling stuff about her being in Nashville. But it seems like the movie's so focused on one little street when she would be trying to get herself everywhere rather than just this little yeah. It diner. amused me. It amused me that the diner was like the like the Tonight Show or Saturday Night Live as far as these musicians. They have one. Sh- shot if they get on that stage it's going to propel them to start yeah <laughs> it's like okay well, i mean there's funny <laughs> like stuff the like the center of their universe like her and dermot moroni recording a demo and then like you know breaking into trisha yearwood's car to put it the cassette and that's fun stuff that's there should cool. be more of that that's exactly yeah. what i'm thinking i was like here's a fun segment of this movie like why is this not the movie like just Try, do this stuff. yeah trying to get your music out there it ends up being like oh river phoenix and he's just like there's nothing like they're doing stuff. You're like, no, stop, stop it. <laughs> like his like, introduction in this movie is I suck. And like, there's yeah. no variation on that. Yeah. <laughs> like, going after You're right. Even you to the end, we're like, I think she's being smart and being like, nah, we're, we're getting fucking divorced, dude. I'm, I'm sorry. We're getting divorced. But then like they, lo- they all leave happy. And I'm like, 
the hell's happening here? Like, okay, like, I, I, yeah, I know, it, it's weird. Like, there's a lot of people just kind of mishandled and stuff, but, like, I really enjoyed the actors. I enjoy watching the, like, when it's focused on being the music movie it's supposed to be, it's 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 really good. Um, and when it has the the right people linked up together, it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, there there's like I said, the music stuff. Why isn't she getting out more? But like, why aren't we spending more time in the diner focusing on the dynamics inside there and the people working and playing? Why aren't why are we're spending too much time dicking around in hotel rooms and other enclosed places and small street diners? It's like. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's or we're going to that stupid party where she bails on Dermot Maroney to like hook up with, uh, yeah, River Phoenix. Like it's I don't know. Like it, it's got. It's like, hey, you're on to snow. Why are we? Why is this the interesting stuff? Because I, it, it it started out with a little promise too. Because I can admire like Samantha Math, Big Sammy Summer. By the way, uh, I can admire that when she first performs, it's like notably bad it was like because that's that shouldn't be easy for an actor to do right. like it seems like a challenge to like if you know how to play you know how to sing and you have to make yourself not ring true to the people judging you like that's a that's a that's a good trick to pull out as a performer right and i like that's what exactly what you're saying as far as the di- like that would be interesting to see with this diner group to see like more of these people like have a reason to get why they're not getting picked to go on that show and explore yep. And you can do that by yes, being at the diner or seeing them doing attempting other things in different areas. But it doesn't do those choices. It doesn't make those choices. Instead, it wants to focus on these, you know, ha- trite relationship story beats that just don't right buy much of interest. And there's something to be said about the person who goes from New York to Nashville and then can't make it. Like you would think they, <laughs> you know, there's like a story to be had with the ego of coming from the biggest city to go like, well, I'll just go down here and I can, and not being able to cut it there. And that should be driving her nuts, you know, from an yeah. ego standpoint, I don't care who you are. You go there and like, you think like, well, I'm from New York. Well, I've, I'm in a much tougher place for, for that stuff. And then she goes to Nashville and she's nothing. And that should weigh on her a lot. Like there should this, be stuff with um, that. This really could have used a scene of John Travolta and Scott Glenn, uh, greasing up and fighting over a, a riding, a bull riding contest. There, there we really- go. <laughs> I do go. think it's, it's for what it's worth. It is another Testament to what an undervalued, but consistently terrific character actor Moroni's been for 35 years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just looking at his filmography, he's done basically everything. And he's always at least modest, moderately compelling, give or take the material. And I yeah, really, like, I buy him as a potential country music star. I'm like, yeah. just, that's, my God, that's perfect. I, like, I buy her too. The only one I don't oh, buy yeah. is River Phoenix. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, and his music doesn't even... St- it's it barely country like a lot of the stuff yeah. he's doing. It's more I well yeah I can you can tell that's why the first song he plays it's like energetic and like you get it and it's like okay this guy has a he's got a flash in the pan sort of talents like I don't know why he's still here it seems like he would have moved out a long time ago but whatever yeah <laughs> well and, and there's some good like uh, Sandra Bullock just being this like you know kind of dipsy but you know brutally honest lady there like when she's like man uh, like. If you can't, you know, if you're still struggling with something, what am I even doing doing this? And she's like, sorry, no offense. But she's like, eh, I get it because, you know, you're better than me and you can't even do stuff. So, 
I like that her conclusion is, I'll try acting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's like, I'll try acting. I'm gonna, like... And she's got that boyfriend who's like just kind of like drunk and in the background a lot of the times and oddball, but yeah. Like, why is she, okay, what's she doing with him? But it's funny when she's in a tragic relationship, but, you know, we got we to gotta root for River Phoenix and Samantha Mathis to, to go on. I was trying to think of where this is with Bogdanovich. It's like, he not to say he's, like, he's, falling off dramatically, but he's, he's certainly doing not. TV movies at this time, <laughs> Yeah, because he yeah, was, like, yeah. to Sir With Love 2 around the same time. That, speaking yeah. Of, speaking of classroom dramas. Yep. Uh, but... Yeah, the better days of him are well behind him at this point. But he's right. Like, he's writing a lot right now. Like I think this is yeah, around the time more, yeah. uh, the book. Uh, like uh, was it Who the Devil Made It? Okay. Yeah, I got that book around. The, like because when I was starting to film, someone bought me that clunker, that huge freaking book uh, that he wrote. Um, but he was because he was starting to slide into his role as a more historian, showing up yeah. in interviews, and you know, DVD was going to be his bread and butter for a long time with, uh, I, could, I could see his interest in doing a, something like this like i could see you know this connects to his kind of themes of stories yeah i just, mean this fits with like your last picture shows and um you know others uh that he's because he you know there's a country vibe that now he's looking into the music of it but yeah and there's some daisy miller stuff here too but um yeah, I, I like I like I, like I've not like seen everything. I like I've I've seen the essentials of Peter Bogdanovich, but there's a yeah. lot of fringe stuff I haven't seen. And you know, this was interesting for me to get get at him. Like he's still got it, but I don't think the script has it. That's that's yeah. probably yeah. It just feels lacking. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, al- <laughs> there's some funny stuff where there, there's some alternate uh histories things of like like peter bogdanovich was attached to like the getaway at one point I'm like what's that look like uh but yeah so yeah thing called love yeah like i stuff's on the table but yeah i yeah i like i said i i, I enjoyed watching it but i had some i had issues abound with it so low, low, lowish in the top ten for you then on the summer. Yeah, it's probably going to be like someone might knock it out next week. You never know. This letterbox list that I've been forming, by the way, is a trip to look at. Like, oh yeah, I'll show you guys when we're done next week. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big list of of stuff, stuff and things, stuff and things. Yep. Oh my gosh, awesome. How would you feel if the man who killed your daughter was set free? Not guilty by reason of insanity. What would you do if the law was on his side? I need justice. Donna Mills. Isn't there something we can do? Lee Grant. Are you crazy, Mommy? In My Daughter's Name. A world premiere movie, Sunday. So, yeah. Um, we will move on now to our TV ratings for this week. Uh, All right. Nielsen Top 10 here. Uh, number one, Home Improvement. ABC splitting the difference here between one and three is 60 minutes on CBS, which Roseanne home improvements, buddy on ABC is number three coach on ABC is number four. And then we have a TV movie on CBS at number five. This one, this week's is in my daughter's name, which this one comes to us. Hang on a moment is from 1992. Um, directed by Judd Taylor. It's about uh, Laura Elias' daughter is raped and murdered by Peter Lipton, who pleads guilty due to insanity with his affluential parents' support, and the jury acquits him. Unable to bear the injustice done to her daughter, uh, 
Um, Laura tries every possible option to obtain justice, but is unsuccessful every time. So she finally decides to take things in her own hands. Starring Donna Mills, John Getz, John Rubenstein, Ron Fraser, Ari Myers, Adam Stork, Lee Grant, uh, Laura Anders. Yeah, that's, that's who we got in this one. Roger Floyd. So I mean, there was a mini trend of movies and to a certain extent television shows were applicable that made it seem like you could kill somebody and all you had to do was say, Your Honor, I'm crazy. And they'd let you walk out a free man. Or you'd be in a mental institution for like six months and then go mm-hmm. free. And obviously that was not the case. But it made for good television. Yes. Uh, Judge Taylor, this director was apparently in The Great Escape and then directed The Great Escape 3, a TV movie, which I did not know existed. Well, The Great Escape 2 was a TV movie with Christopher Reeve. 3 also has Christopher Reeve. Oh, he's back. He's escaping again. <laughs> he's okay. escaping again. <laughs> he's still escaping. He can't get out. Yeah, he's just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got it this time, guys. Uh, number six is Murder, She Wrote on CBS. Number seven, another home improvement on ABC. Number eight, Murphy Brown, CBS. Number nine, Primetime Live on ABC. And number 10, Now, with Tom Brokaw and Katie Couric. When? Now. Okay. That's now, like when we're going to talk about fatherhood. Now. I believe Correct. it's fatherhood. Father. Hood. From Hollywood Pictures, ex-con Jack Charles was on the run from the law when his two kids decided to go with him. Now he's a single parent. Well, what's for dinner? Struggling to raise his family. We're going to have one hell of a Thanksgiving dinner. It's not Thanksgiving. You're being negative. Patrick Swayze in the movie that proves a father's work. I have to go to the bathroom. Is never done. I hate all this family crap. Fatherhood. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, August 27th at a theater near you. If you just do one word, you get the uh, Kevin Hart picture that was supposed to be Sony, but ended up on Netflix during the first year of COVID. What it is, is better. <laughs> there you go. Which is better? Uh, fatherhood, not fatherhood. All right. Well, Fair. father. And I, I don't disagree. Fatherhood is directed by Daryl Root, written by Scott Spencer, starring Patrick Swayze. Halle Berry, Sabrina Lloyd, Brian Bonsall, Michael Ironside. Ironside Summer. Yes, the Ironside (laughs) of Summer. Uh, Diane Lane. uh, Lad. Or Lad. Sorry, Diane Lad. Bob Gunton. Adrian Barbeau. Josh Lucas shows up in here late in the movie. He does. (laughs) Here he is. Is that who I think? Yes, it is. Uh, the adventures of a deadbeat dad who kidnaps his kids from the bus based on the true life stories and experiences of Michael J. Hardy. All right, Scott. I didn't know this was based on a true story. Shame on me for not doing my research. All of the things in this movie happened. All of them. Yes. Every Every single one. one. They have the news stories and evidence to back it up. Yeah, this was this and Alive. Which came out earlier in '93 were Josh Lucas's first films. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, "Where yeah. are we going with Alive I mean, and Fatherhood?" <laughs> Patrick Swayze did a guy, and then he made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is not a good film. 
<laughs> I mean, yes, I'm going to do the usual whole <laughs> golly gee goshers 30 years ago. It was just a movie that dealt with, you know, real world issues on a small human scale, blah, 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 blah. I like the specificity of the story it's telling, blah, 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 blah. But that's not going to say it's a good picture. Um, it's really slow. It's a 95 minute film, but it feels a lot longer in a way that, you know, there's no excuse for. Um, Swayze is fine. I just think it's another example of how Hollywood kind of struggled to know what to do with him because he's so good as this, this idealistic heartthrob character in, you know, dirty dancing and ghosts and ghost. And then there was an attempt, whether it was him or whether it was his agents to try to turn him into an action star, which frankly never panned out. I like point break, but it was not a hit film. And, you know, I'm, I roadhouse is terrible. Let's be honest. No, uh, no, wrong. no, no. I'm, I'm right. I've no. rewatched it recently. Let me find the, the mute button. Let me find the mute button. <laughs> oh, boy. There we go. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, this is where Scott defends Black Dog. <laughs> <laughs> no. Finally, he got it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I mean, the, the film is. It just didn't do anything for me. Again, I, I, I appreciate it in hindsight. It's specificity. It's it's small scale. You know, it's about something in terms of the foster care system and the you know theoretical corruption therein. Now it screws up children that are vulnerable and blah 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 blah. But you know, I liked what it was about more than how it was about it. Gotcha. There were five films this week, and. This is one of them I saw in the theater. Um, <laughs> you suck. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, oh my gosh. Family we see movies, Sir Ninjas, it's not playing here anymore. I guess we're going to go see Fatherhood. <laughs> Fatherhood. Um, and- Needful Things was sold out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is the first time seeing it since that. Uh, and yeah, it just felt like an awkward movie that, like I mentioned, we started with American heart and now we're here at fatherhood. Another one of these like shit dad ex convict movies that we get. Um, this one is no Dutch. This one isn't even, this isn't even, this isn't getting even with dad, even, even with dad getting, we aren't even getting even with dad here. Um, I like, there's an approach from Swayze here that really works as the disconnected father that doesn't understand the responsibilities of fatherhood, but wants to kind of like act like they are. That's kind of decently done throughout this thing where it's like, yeah, I I could get someone who thinks they can parent and jumping right into it. And like all these things are like the fuck, like not understanding being a father myself now. Yep. Right. But that does not endorse this movie. Um, It's really, yeah, I just, it's it's a just wait for it to end movie. Uh, Ironside shows up that later in there. It's kind of fun. Um, Holly Berry pop the people pop up at moments where you're just like ready to shut down, and they're like, "Oh, look, it's Holly Berry. Oh, it's Michael Ironside. Is that Josh Lucas? Like at the right times, this movie brings you back with somebody, a celebrity or somebody. You're like, oh, okay, that person. 
No um, one's ever said Josh Lucas managed to bring me back to this. <laughs> this it, was really that, that's sagging right. down, but finally Josh Lucas showed up, and I felt that's how that's how that's how low down dirty it got here. Um, <laughs> this isn't Sweet Home Alabama. No, uh, and Swayze, poor uh, like Swayze, like I feel like he's a guy that no matter how shit the picture he's committed, like I and I really never. I feel like best, but like until he passed, I never really appreciate like how good he actually was when he was there. And he was having like before he died, like he had like a terrific role in Donnie Darko, and it looked like he was gonna like have this renaissance of a career and this different turn of his role. But they, you know, fucking cancer. Uh, but going back to his old movies, like Roadhouse. He's great. Which he isn't very good. It's great. Uh, Roadhouse it's is amazing. It's mediocre. No, he's oh Scott already went. He went from sucks to mediocre. So we're he's raising the level here. <laughs> it, the, it, the, the, the double feature we're gonna do with Miami Connection and Roadhouse is gonna, gonna be incredible. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Um, it, yeah. So yeah, this movie I don't. Uh, it is fatherhood, not good. Aaron. This was a real race to the bottom this week as far as who could be the worst movie, but I'm pretty sure this one won. Uh, it's bad. Um, I, I, down to the title, uh, which is so stupid. It's a terrible pun. Fatherhood. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. Um, it's synced. I, I don't, layers. I don't think Swayze's terrible in this, but I think he's terribly miscast in this because he's just so naturally likable and you... you I mean, you can't cast someone that's like a complete asshole, but like him trying to play scumbum dad is so like just mm. not his thing. This is not the territory he belongs in whatsoever. I got it was very grating to every time he like said something off kilter, and his kids his kids were like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, hey, 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 "Just trust me." I'm like, "Oh my god, this is I can't do this for what felt like four and a half hours." Uh, you're not wrong, Scott. It's a very like slow paced long movie, despite being shorter than movies i've seen this week it uh, attempts to create set pieces but there's nothing that like i can't remember you, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned ironside and i don't think i've ever seen him be worse in a movie than this he's, yep. he's really bad in this movie there is a scene where the two of them are in a car and they had and they're like trying to like wait for like Again, this is a movie that has guns. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of that, that theme had a lot this week as far as how do we clear up the problem? Well, there's like mobsters and shit. What? <laughs> in this movie about corrupt child care centers? Uh, but like there's a scene where they're like waiting in a car to like, what, like take money from a guy or like track a guy or whatever. And they're like, they just look at each other like, you got to keep going, man. No, you got to. It's like, <laughs> what TV acting school did we get into all of a sudden? Like, this is just awful. Uh, speaking of cliches, this is one of the like, not only does it have like, you know, big mobster stuff, it also has cliched courtroom ending where things that happen in a courtroom never happen. Like random people walking in, like, I have the evidence, Your Honor. Who are you? <laughs> what, 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 what person are you that has nothing to do with this case whatsoever? No, no, I'll allow it. They're full of, yeah, we'll, we'll see where you I want to see where this I'm goes. I'm watching you. Like, there's so much. <laughs> it's, not, it's not as like I need fatherhood to be realistic, but like it's trying to be like four different things that just none of them really work. It's badly acted. It's badly made. It's miscast. It has it has so many like attempts at saccharine moments and 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 that are just come off terrible every time. Everything involving like the kids is mediocre at best. When you have what's her name like Sabrina Lloyd from uh, from Sports Night. 
um, like in the end, the boy, and they're just like calling out sways and all this stuff, and I just don't care because it's modeling and stupid. Uh, it's just it's a really a, a really just badly done version of this kind of movie. And yeah, if you want to talk about the things it's about, this uh, you know the specificity of it, cool. I don't think it does any of those things well or adds anything to that conversation, let alone concludes in any way that makes you think any differently about these places beyond the fact that, oh, bad things happen sometimes. Okay, thanks, movie. Like, there's nothing there. There's no resolution. There's there's no, like, literally, there's no resolution to, like, the problem at hand beyond, I guess Bob Gunton might have a bad day at work tomorrow. Like, <laughs> that's, that's it. Like, there's nothing that suggests, like, the corruption going on in these places is going to have any kind of difference because patrick swayze said a thing in the court once like there's nothing there at all (laughs) i don't think anyone would walk out you know worried about that aspect of the plot more so than being like did he like take a boat did that guy get his boat back i feel like that'd be the bigger thing right uh didn't the car blow up at one point in this movie yeah right that was weird like there's so much nonsense going on throughout this thing they hung out in a camper right in their pantry and just hanging out while they drove people drove it yeah this this is real bottom of the barrel stuff made for Swayze and like I've seen City of Joy this is bad (laughs) this is is just a really bad movie the best part of the movie was they were watching Night of the Living Dead on the TV and that's a good movie so anytime you can watch some of (laughs) Night of the Living Dead there you go at least they didn't have you know Patrick Swayze gravely turn to the audience and explain the meaning of the film (laughs) or the (laughs) fact I mean sorry that's a vague Logan reference Right. <laughs> Shout into several phone booths what he's basically what's basically the themes of the film though. He does that a few times. That's true. I can't just be a dad to these kids all of a sudden. Uh, nobody's gonna take these kids from me. Um yeah. Oh, but, oh yeah. All the scenes with him and Halle Berry where there's this weird like running thought of you, that's what it is. Oh my god! Because I watched it like a week ago. Now I remember it. That's the thing. That every time, every every time he's on the phone with Pally Berry. Anytime that she makes like a proper point, he's like, "Listen, lady, I'm not just some rich woman from the suburbs and everything sitting on my couch doing whatever I want to. I struggle for real." And nice. <laughs> And, and, and he, and he Does goes he that know? every, every single he time knows. he goes to that. Every single time Halle Berry makes another point, he's like, okay, fine. But listen, I didn't grow up with money. I'm not just like you where I can just do whatever I want all the time to write my stories. I have real stories, miss. Who I think well, yeah, is, he, for some just, reason he thinks she's like an Irish old lady and not yeah. like a black woman on the phone. <laughs> well, he's just mad because she's writing a news story based on what she has. It's like, she ain't going to change. Okay. But that's and that's why I like. How dare you use the facts? And like, where do just, things go? He goes to prison. Like that's. But like that, what bothers me is that it, it feels like it shows a limit to what Swayze's capable of because he doesn't seem like a guy that does improv very well, and that feels like stuff where it's like, you like Swayze, you're supposed to get like angry in the scene, so his go-to is just like characterize this innocent woman as like some like middle-class rich lady (laughs) that just lives in her. Like that's like his go-to as far as that's the way I'm going to like get angry in this scene. And he he does it over and over again. It feels like in order for him to be silly like that, he needs to be like Jeff Daniels and have Jim Carrey with him. So he's got that person that's even a little bit crazier. So, Which yeah. is what like the Ironside thing is, but that comes and goes so quickly, and he's terrible in it. Well, so- Ironside is like always intense, so he's never going to be like 
So yeah, but that's the that's why default. he's bad in the movie because he's supposed to be bumbling. But yeah. Ironside's like the most intense character actor you can get for a movie. So you can't have him playing bump. You can't have him playing like a Ned Beatty character in a movie. Right. He's like the definitive dark side. He's not clumsy. Yeah. So um, like, <laughs> the weird thing about this and this even when I was you know a kid. Swayze breaks out you know, with a few things and then becomes basically an icon with Dirty Dancing and Ghost. And really, this was the film that was sort of like, okay, maybe he's not going to be a star. Um, I quite like City of Joy, but to his credit, he's, he's a supporting character in that. Um, Is he? I've but, not seen that movie since high school. So yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's neither have I, but I remember quite liking it. Um that is the and rickshaw one, right? That's the one yes, rickshaw. yes. Okay. All right. He does this. He does Tall Tale, neither of which are successful. Oh, and by two years later, by 1995, Tu Wang Fu was already his comeback vehicle. Yeah, and yeah. he, like, he like, and disappears. That film was a modest Darko. hit. And then he does a few films that nobody gives a crap about. Yeah, for six right. years until Donnie Darko. Yeah, he's done a lot of straight, there's a lot of straight-to-video stuff, but, like, yeah, it's... No, I mean, he never, you know, I mean, this is old news, obviously, but... He, you know, he his fame was flashing a pan. Because I grew up like knowing I knew like the person Patrick Swayze, but like I had never seen like a movie on like Point Break just because it was on TV a lot. I didn't see it in the theater because I was too young at for theaters. But like he was never like a person who was like, oh, there's a new Swayze thing. I was like more like that guy that's like, I guess he was popular at some point, but I never like knew him as like a movie star. I mean, he was humongous the latter half of the 80s. Like, yeah, that which was, is that was it. And like, it. even Roadhouse was a cult movie. Yeah, that wasn't a, that wasn't a hit. Uh, the whole, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it also it wasn't a hit because <laughs> yeah, it's just, terrible. Because people were stupid. That's why. That's they just the, didn't, they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready. <laughs> 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 they weren't ready for it. And, yeah, Sam Elliott and those locks were just not appreciated. I mean, I can you know what's up. You know what has a 4K release? Roadhouse history tells. Yeah, no, but yeah, he was. I mean, he was like the. Would you I, like to look up some of the pieces of shit that have a 4K release? Yeah, and, and, and going like but not a fancy vinegar syndrome 4K box set. <laughs> but like also uh, generational crazy. nostalgia. I, I'm gonna sound like an asshole. Not that I don't normally sound like one. Uh, but like looking at things, if you were living in the late '80s and you were a guy, like he was in the girl movies too. Like that yes. was a that was a thing back because he had Ghost, like, yeah, Dirty yeah. Dancing, and yeah, he had like Dirty Dancing soundtrack was everywhere. Girls always watched Dirty Dancing, and there was Ghost, and it was like he wasn't appealing to like men to go see his movies. He was well. not on you know. That's why it's interesting they starred together, but you know him and Keanu Reeves sort of had that same. Specific sex appeal where, you know, he wasn't someone that guys necessarily wanted to emulate. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, plus, he, I mean, he, was in the, he was in the Outsiders to begin the decade, too, but, yeah. like, it was hey, more... Front flip yeah. over a gate, it's great. Yeah. No, I, I remember we talked about this with the Point Brand commentary, the fact that Bigelow intentionally cast two actors that were... You know, old school heartthrobs more than macho action heroes. Yeah, it's not, you know, mm-hmm. sports and Aaron Stallone as the yeah. experts. <laughs> right. <laughs> 60 seconds. <laughs> I am an FBI agent. These two, like, <laughs> massive guys were chasing each other in LA. <laughs> I'm Johnny Utah. <laughs> it's one wave, man. <laughs> 
Oh my! But yeah, yeah. Fa- fatherhood is no good. That is that is what we got. The here. critics agree. Utah, yeah. let me too. Utah. Uh, so uh, let's let's move on to the Casey Kasem top forty for this week. The top ten of which we discussed. Casey's biggest hits. Uh, number one, can't help falling in love by UB40 <laughs> from the summer sliver. Did I miss something? Yeah, yeah. You keep reminding me that that's from that movie. It's really <laughs> Sliver. Remember, we talked about it. That is definitely Scott, a movie. Short-term memory, bud. We 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 talked about that one. Earlier. Oh, I remember Sliver. Yeah, it's by default better than a number of the films we've seen this summer. Yeah, <laughs> by default. By it's default. Really it's a very important caveat. It's, are, are, are you default. saying it's in, it's in the bottom of the top half? Like, is that what you're saying? Give or take, maybe. I don't know. I haven't actually done a list. I have it pretty it's, low. <laughs> it's a fucking basic instinct compared to you know guilty as sin. Got well, yeah. but uh yeah, okay. it went, well, I don't know. <laughs> Guil- guilty as sin has a pretty pronounced ending. That's the, that gives it more credit for me. That is true. It does end in an enjoyable way. While Sliver barely has an Sliver's ending. Sliver's like he wrecked his TVs. You fiend. <laughs> All right. You know uh, that movie would be better if they like flip into volcano together. <laughs> Yeah. So you'd be 40 was number one. Huh? Well, yeah. Whoop, there it is. Is number two. Number Whoop. three is Dream Lover by Mariah Carey, which is also the title of the script for Peter Jackson's unused sixth 19- Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Uh, okay. Number four, Lately by Jodeci. Number five, Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. Number six, these gonna- kids are running away from home. Oh gosh. It's really sad. You need to listen I to hope the... their parents find them. Rock on, dude. You need to listen to the music video episode Sorry. for that one as you can find <laughs> out what happened to some of those kids. Oh um, god, I remind me, I will do that immediately. Are the kids all right? Huh? The kids Spoiler. Are right? No. They have it offspring. It says never coming back, Aaron. Yeah. Um The one way track. Yeah, that's Buried I guess in the it was backyard of, dealing with the pain. That's buried in the backyard of your ex-wife's house. But yeah, anyway. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, number six, I'm going to be 500 miles. Uh, <laughs> number seven, If by Janet Jackson. Number eight, Slam. Uh, by Onyx. Number nine, If I Had No Loot by Tony, Tony, Tony. And number 10, Week by S. W V. We only have one more week of Casey Kasem's top ten, so check it out. And now on to the man without a face. Critics call the man without a face a major triumph. Gibson shines as an actor and director. Have a good look. Get it over with. Heartwarming and rewarding. Mel Gibson, the man without a face, rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. Directed by Mel Gibson. Written by Isabel Holland to that and Malcolm McRory. Uh, starring Mel Gibson, Nick Stahl, whatever happened to that guy, too. Uh, yeah. Margaret Witten, Faye Masterson, Gabby Hoffman, Jeffrey Lewis is back. Took a couple movies off. We're back to him. Richard Mazur, uh, Michael DeLuise, and Ethan Phillips. Chuck wants to leave home, but can't make the grade for boarding school. Then he finds out the disfigured recluse living nearby is an ex-teacher. All right. Aaron, why did this movie bring you to tears? Big Gabby Summer, too. Gabby Hoffman's back from Super yeah. Simple. That's right. 
Um, my, the, I didn't have a title for this one, but my tagline that I made up was, uh, where did it go? Not, <laughs> um, <laughs> not man without uh, an Oscar. All right. So, so, um, I had not, I'd only known about this movie. I never actually saw it. And the, the, the best thing that I knew about it was the Simpsons thing where Seymour Skinner and his mother were fighting and she put a line down the middle of the room and. He said uh, that we met a red man without a face. I didn't even know he had a problem. Which always. Was... <laughs> 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 oh my god, that's a good Simpsons joke. It oh, it is really all the good. time, we had a problem. Um, but this, so this movie, I was like, okay, so what actually is this story? Because I had no idea what this movie was going to be. <laughs> and for some reason, I get it confused with Boy in the Plastic Bubble. I don't know why. Um, but I think it's because like major stars as like mm. Rick Simpson so for some reason. Um, granted, this is a real movie, not a TV movie. Just for our listeners, he does have a face in the movie. It's there somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's not. not, you're it's not... The, he's not. He's not the spot from Summer's hit Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, he's not. He's not mis- the Invisible Man as well. So. <laughs> where it's just this part that's invisible it's constantly it's like oh the body no. uh, so as far as this movie goes it's fine it is it is completely harmless um i i've it's the, it's the thing where you've seen other movies that have come along since that do relatively the same thing as far as like mentor figure with a troubled past and like a kid and whatnot and like I get what this one's doing. There's nothing particularly wrong about it. It just kind of sits there and does what it does, and then gets out. Like it's a movie, uh, like Scott would say. It's I, I have my own problems with Gibson now, but certainly in the '90s, he was his guy. He was a guy. He did his thing. He was very good at doing the thing that he was doing, and he's he's good here. Like he, you know, he mm-hmm. elicits the kind of sympathy that you want to see from this kind of character. Uh, and not w- without wearing a beard, no less. He's one of those uh, sad characters that doesn't have to have a beard to show you how sad he is compared to you know certain Oscar winners. That's because his face burned off. Yeah, so he probably can't <laughs> he grow can't a beard. Grow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to like. And now I'm with like half a beard on the the man without, of course, it, uh, without a face is of course without a beard as well. So I can say that I didn't know where this was going necessarily. Um, so I was taken a bit as far as like what they what this film wanted to like say even though it's like it's weird to put you in a position to be like now we have to think this about this guy even though like clearly this is not the thing and it's like this is a that's a choice that they're going for and i i since read about like the novel this is based off of that makes things a little more cut and dry and it's like okay that's there's probably an interesting way to explore that version of the story but that's not this movie this movie's pretty plain and that's why it's not really anything more than what it is to me like it doesn't have all that much nuance it's just kind of telling you a pretty simple story about a guy that people you know whisper and murmur about and we learn about him and it's like no he's just a guy um but unfortunately things are the way they are what have you and so whatever uh nick stall's fine he's, you know he does his kid thing not the best kid performance we've seen this summer not the worst kid performance we've seen this summer just he's, he's good enough in here um, I like the big house that he had, by the way. Since they, they live by like a river or whatever, I like this like huge house that he lives like the beast in <laughs> just by himself. <laughs> um, is that, yeah, I, yeah, I've been talking. What What do you guys think, Scott? Um, I had seen this on video or HBO or whatever twenty, you know, thirty years ago, give or take. Obviously, take 
you know, because um, I enjoy it. And I did rewatch it last year. I don't remember why. I think I was going to do something Mel Gibson related. I ended up not writing it. You saw the but, mirror has two faces. So you're like, we watch a movie without a face. Exactly. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting was that this is a film that came out in you know, 1993. And the idea of a guy being wrongfully accused of child molestation and being subject to a, you know, witch hunt for lack of a better term was almost downright transgressive coming just a few years after the McMartin ridiculousness. Right. Which, which is in the early nineties, we started seeing that a lot of this, the short version is there were several high profile cases of like preschools and daycares that were embroiled in completely bullshit fabricated child sat- molestation scandals. It was the end of the satanic panic was the McMartin yes. trials coming to the head. And then, then the, the focus shifted to rap music, the, the yes. panic, the panic of, uh, you know, white suburban America, decided um, it, it, it's funny because the mcmartin trial ends and then all of a sudden two live crew and nwa are going to court so that was their new um, panic yeah and watching this film now i mean if i were writing that obnoxious think piece i'd say it was an early look at cancel culture or whatever you want to call that but that being said i think the film is better than that i think the film is smarter than that you know there 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 is I think it's at its best. It's a feature-length version of one of those Little House on the Prairie episodes, in which there are several, where one of the sisters encounters this, you know, vaguely eccentric, scary old man who ends up being friendly with a, you know, with a sad, tragic backstory. Um, this was, you know, both Home Alone movies, also. <laughs> um, and Mel Gibson is very good here. Again, this was, as you said, it was before that we, you know, when he was known as a relatively cheerful good time actor that was still proving that yes he could act that you know even though he was very good in the action pictures that he did and he was very good in films like the year of living dangerously he was still somewhat of an underrated performer yeah just and this like, was like hamlet at this point too like early, early. i'm sorry he had just done like hamlet a little earlier oh yeah that. he had just done oh, yeah. hamlet i would say very well frankly and like when's um, forever young which is a movie i like more. Uh, a That's, year before this is, yeah yeah, that one. I like that. I don't know why. I like that movie more. It's a goofier movie, but I like. I oh like yeah, it. yeah. It's it's a more entertaining picture. <laughs> it obviously takes you know. It's a lot less high and mighty, for lack of a better word. Sure. Um, and it, it, I I do find you know I found it funny when I was a kid that is the kid wants to get into military school, yeah. which is usually what the kids <laughs> in these movies are trying to avoid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, and no, as, as far as Gibson's filmography as a director. In a skewed way, this is almost one of the more off-brand pictures because most of his directorial efforts are about men of peace who have to survive through violent turmoil without, to varying degrees, becoming violent themselves. And obviously, it doesn't quite work out in Braveheart. (laughs) The Christ, Hacksaw Ridge, to a certain stuff, you know, uh, 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 Fuck, what's it? The other Apocalypto. Apocalypto, which is a very violent picture, but he's <laughs> running away and on the defensive for much of that. I'll give you this Apocalypto is better than Roadhouse. Better than what? It's better than Roadhouse. I'll give you that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Because it rules. And I yeah. hate the rules. <laughs> um, no, no, it's 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 pretty great. And you know, it's funny what you know, it was one of those dumb film rumors that he was rumored to be directing the the wild bunch for like 10 seconds. It's like that is he, 
there's few people less appropriate for the wild punch than Mel Gibson. I hope that was not true. Mm-hmm. And so far it is not. But yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a time capsule when we thought of Mel Gibson just in terms of the work that he was doing, as opposed to everything else. You could argue that it's it does fit in terms of his martyr complex pictures, because this is an innocent man that gets not once but twice branded as a pedophile and run out of town. Yeah. Um, you know, it's be a weird TV show. What was that? That'd be a weird TV show every year. I watch. Um, <laughs> so it certainly plays on the old passion play themes that Gibson became somewhat famous for. But beyond that, I think it's just a solid drama that I think is intelligent. It is thoughtful. Even the big courtroom scene at the end isn't as me- melodramatic and grandiose as you might expect in a film like yeah. that. I, I yeah. compared to fucking fatherhood. Yes, this is a much better quality. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Movie. <laughs> That's true. And you know, without going into details, in case anyone ever want to want, wants to watch this, it does not end with a super duper mega happy ending. Wow. It ends with a an you know a, a satisfying ending. Yeah, but it it certainly does not end on a note of raw, unabilitated melodrama. Um, um, and I liked it. I still do. Yeah, I I was okay with this one. I'm not super high on i was kind of like bored times because it felt like i never saw it i remembered the poster where it was like that picture of mel gibson or whatever but this one felt like i've put myself the kind of man this is like man desperately seeking oscar attention it felt like a lot of the time yeah that's fair he directs it directs himself he's the handsome guy that uglies his face uh he's a damaged ugly you know mentor to a troubled child and then like his this mysterious molester past i'm like oh man he is throwing it all in here for this came out Uh, in august prime oscar season he even gets an angry drunk scene even though it's a dream uh which mel was really good at that no that's his dad oh is it his dad it's dad yeah oh i thought Thought it was Mel, like it's not it was, Mel, yeah, because I was, because I, I was at that point. The movie was like, it, it jolted me somewhat awake, because like, yeah. what's, what's happening here? But I looked, it's like, oh, that's not Mel. It's yeah, oh, it's, it's, th- it's supposed to be his dad. I thought he looked down and there was Mel down there, but okay. You see, like, a, yeah, you see, like, you know, a, a shady white guy, but yeah, it's not him. Oh, okay, okay, it's, it's supposed to be his dad. Yeah, all right. Wow. Okay. Um, scratch that from the record. Um. <laughs> So it's also it found neat like or interesting that it's our second movie and a couple weeks with the uh, the gossipy town people about the one person like that night with C. Thomas Howell where it's like there's the chatty bit no one wants to actually go talk to the person but they like they like their i the people like their idea and building their story about him more than they actually would just Kill the beast going to yeah going to actually seek out and see what the person's about and of course they're never gonna believe a child. And there's that weird scene where like, did he touch you? He's like, yeah, <laughs> yes, he did. I hate like, that. Like, like, that. It's like, ah, it's like that's no. the thing that gets me so hard in movies. Dumb kid. Because like that's why I really like the hunt a lot with Mads Mikkelsen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um Because mm. it's like, it, I, I'm so instantly on the other side of that. Because it's like, no, you don't understand. You need to apply more context to these sentences. Right. You can't just say one thing and then drop it all together. Right. <laughs> I got him. We got. It's John Oliver being like, we got him. <laughs> well, no, it, it's it's you know not to go into the whole screed about that era, but the grim joke of it was always, you know, if you don't believe this, then you don't believe children. But the children are the ones saying this is bullshit. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, um, I, 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 like you guys are talking about the court case, and I like the way the character and the way it plays out, where he's just like, it's, it's not worth fighting as much as it is, and he feel, you know, he knows that the, the right things will work themselves out eventually. There's sort of this like ad- admirable patience to the character, where which is normally like you, you see with fatherhood the guy fighting with every last breath to get the to get the result he wants and he's just like well we're fucked um uh, but it's they like, it's, like it's it's in between them but it's fitting that he's you know he doesn't have a beard but he's playing a robin williams character he's playing right. both poets and goodwill hunting combined right, <laughs> complete with the letter he wrote you know to the yeah. that is a narrative <laughs> i did think it was funny I'm like man had this movie come out today or been like this phenomenon like the end of the the end would be some sort of meme. It would have entered meme culture with the guy the way the background with the putting the sunglasses on and waving or something. Oh yeah, this is the end when when um at the, of the A two four film where Jacob Tremblay is in military school and Michael Shannon's there. Yeah, <laughs> waving oh back at him. they can hear you. But yeah, like uh, it felt like felt like that would have been a thing. As he walks into the who knows whatever he's walking to, we don't get to see Narnia. He's going back to Narnia. He's actually oh, as him. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, there's stuff I like about. The, I was just wasn't enamored with. Like, it probably too yeah. many years too late seeing it was. It's probably if if I'd have seen it back in '93 when it came out and been a bit older, or you know, discovered it on VHS or something later on. But I never really got to it. Um, wasn't that interested then. But like, I might have been much higher on it. But now I'm just like. Looking back, and I'm just like, man, this is this is feels like Oscar desperation here. Um, but second time was a charm. So, yeah, he, he wins the very next time he directs. Like, yeah, it's. But the other thing that was getting me was like, yeah, everyone's spread rumors about this guy. And they don't want to actually visit him. But I'm like, have you seen his house? Who doesn't want to go there? That looks yeah. like a great time to have. Oh my! Have you seen his face? <laughs> There is none. It's not bad. No, it's not that bad. Well, I I do like their scenes where he's fucking like, where where he's like, hey, stare at it, get it over with. Let's, you know, like, yeah. And he's a fun guy the way he presents himself. Like he be, he clearly was a good teacher. Like dig the hole, please. Dig that. Yeah, I mean, dig the hole. The whole, like, he's only talking to white kids and he never talks about the Jews. Like that probably bothered me. But I mean, besides that, it's like he's a good teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but how did this, this didn't get any real Oscar buzz, did it? No. No, it was supposed to be. It was like that summer, yeah. <laughs> That's what they said. <laughs> Sorry, Mel. It made some money. A little bit. No, it was a solid little hit. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, I just remember, I just, I remember when I was living in the era, I remember the poster and I remember seeing the trailer and it was like this self-importance, like this is going to be the award movie and like this is Mel's. Big thing, like I think, I think at least I don't think he's going for best director here, but he's like, I'm going to get myself a best actor, you know, thing. So in order to do that, I'll direct myself. Did you, did you guys like the family, Nick Stahl's family? I thought they were. Well, fine. It's a mixed family, like right, like they have different, and then they find out like All his dad was a nutbag yeah. and stuff. Like yeah, um, yeah. It certainly takes up a lot of time, screen time. So I was like, clearly we want to do something with this. It. Like okay, I get it, like fill out the world, but it's like. I don't care about any of these people. <laughs> like, no, and there, there, there are connections and who can trust who. Like it doesn't because a lot of this is mixed up to like hide the fact that he's taking lessons from a teacher. Yeah, but it's a scary guy, so I guess that's a that's a real no no. 
Well, and like she doesn't like he never like what could happen is he's like, hey, mom, I'm taking lessons from that guy. Can you come meet him? I want you to be okay with this. Yeah. But he's also a child, too. That's a, you know, what a mature. It's like, say, but... it's like a, it wavers in and out as far as what child logic's going to allow. He's like, this right. seems like a smart enough kid to like get the the ramifications of not doing certain things. And yet he's still like, but these are different legends, so I can't do that. And it's like, right. all right. Yeah. It's weird. Like, yeah. And there's the scene where the cop's like, well, can you come down to the, we just want to talk. It's not a, it's a, uh... but. No, it's, yeah, I was just kind of like, eh, with this one, I wasn't too big on it, but I maybe like if it. he had a, maybe if he had a face, I'd have liked it. Again, I think it's fine. It's in the mid tier of this summer, but it's, it's just <laughs> pretty unassuming. Gotcha. Yeah. Speaking of the mid tier of the summer, uh, it's time to check out with our friend Yancey for Yancey's <laughs> Tales from the video store. Wednesday's opening of the Thomas Van der Klip retrospective is strictly invitation only. Who cares? Blockbuster gives you 9,000 reasons to stay in, so why go out? Make it a Blockbuster night. So when I lived in Los Angeles, I used to always go rent at that two-story Blockbuster that was off Sunset on the street on the street they filmed Halloween. Oh yeah, I don't think I ever went there, but I heard you talking about. So it was two story cool. blockbuster, and I just was like, they had a lot for a blockbuster. Most blockbusters were like, here are the hits, here are the old hits. Uh, this <laughs> one's like so much stuff. One day I went to rent there, and it was like crowded. Like there was people all around the outside, and you could see flat. It was like paparazzi. I was like, oh crap, who's in here? Who's in here? <laughs> and I walk in, and there's a blockbuster employee, like with a big cardboard thing trying to cover somebody. It was Lindsay Lohan was in Jesus. Blockbuster. And this was this is when she was dating that girl or whatever, when she like came out that she was bi and she was dating this girl. And I was in there and I was just trying to return something and rent. And I look like an idiot because I like happened to keep stumbling upon the same damn aisles that she was in. And I was like, great, I'm going to show up in like freaking like, was it Pre- Paris Hilton site or something? tomorrow right, right these these paparazzi were crazy though i'd never say anything like it they were just like flash, 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 flash. i saw a guy come upside down like spider-man from a tree and try to <laughs> snap a photo and i was like crap and i would this was toward the end of my time in los angeles and i called my now wife at the time i'm like so if you check out paparazzi sites you might see me in them because anytime i walked around the aisle i couldn't avoid Lindsay lohan and like the blockbuster employee probably thought I was like stalking. I'm I'm like I wasn't. I was literally in aisles when you guys turned into them. And then the That's funny right. thing was, she was so low maintenance there. I had to dig like through crap sites that apparently nobody was paying for those photos anymore. So I was not yeah. in danger of any big thing like that. Um, she's little. Is she little? Is she tall? I, I... She's little. She's yeah. She's yeah, real she's little. Not... I mean, she but she look. She doesn't look like a. Ch- She's like got a good age look to her. Like I saw, like so well. I don't know. I, I, I saw. Uh, yeah, it's really weird. I saw Rachel Bilson one time, and she looked like a four-year-old. Um, and she's probably about similar height to Lindsay Lohan, but Lindsay Lohan looked like okay. You're probably in your twenties. Like uh, it was. It's interesting. I don't know how that worked out, but yeah. That reminds me. I went to see. I went to see. Um, what's that movie with uh, uh, Adrian Brody and and. Uh, Sarah Polly, where they it's like a Cronenberg kind of movie. 
Oh, uh, oh, oh, the one where they the the Del Toro produced it with the yeah, they yeah, both yeah. they both fucked the alien. Yeah, what's it called? Splice. <laughs> splice. 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 I went to see Splice at the Chinese theater mm-hmm. at, at like a probably a two a two in the afternoon show with a friend of mine. I don't remember which one. And when we went in, it was that you know, theater is packed as usual, people people trying to, you know, mm-hmm. take off. But you know, the Chinese theater is always packed. So we go in to see the movie. We come out of the movie, it's dead. The lobby's dead, there's no one there. The the the, the actual handprints, there's no one there, there's nothing. We're like, what the fuck is going on? And we stop for a second. And the next thing we see is Tom Cruise going past on a cherry picker going up across the street. And it's some kind of weird um, Jimmy Kimmel stunt. But it was uh. an amazing like Hollywood moment. It's not video related, unfortunately. But it was like, <laughs> oh, look, it's Tom. that's why there's no one here. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. But somehow they forgot the guys in the in the in the splice screening. Oh. It was a that was a sort of fun moment. That's funny. Uh, we uh, that's because like. Scott Mendelson and I once at the Chinese we saw the entire first season of 24 in a marathon there when when I first wow. moved to Los, when I first moved to Los Angeles something we first did together <laughs> so I guess we were meant to be friends if we sat through in a movie theater the entire first season of 24 but when we left it felt like the apocalypse happened I've never <laughs> experienced and that's when I learned I'm like okay I've been in New York before and stuff, but like that's the city that never sleeps. LA is the city that does go to sleep. Like that's one yeah, thing I learned. Like, and when I lived in a Hollywood off Hollywood Boulevard, I definitely saw like, yeah, that place only operates in this certain window of the day, and then it just yeah dies out. Okay, now it's time for our main picture of the five here, the most high profile, biggest release this week. Did Need- you flip a coin on this? No, it's this is the highest profile of these. I mean, there's uh, an this song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Needful things. There's a new businessman in Castle Rock, and for a price, he'll get you anything you want. The devil is open for business, and business is booming. From Stephen King's best-selling book. How is it going? Needful things. Rated R at theaters Friday. Directed by Fraser C. Heston. Yes, son of Charlton. Lucky son. And this kid also played infant Moses in Ten Commandments. He was the first Superman. Written by W. D. Richter on a uh, book by Stephen King. Starring Max von Sydow, Ed Harris, Bonnie Bedelia, Amanda Plummer, J.T. Walsh. Oh, it is a plumber summer, isn't it? Plumber summer. Plumber summer. <laughs> if it's summer, it must be plumber. All right. J.T. Walsh, Ray McKinnon, Duncan Fraser, Valerie Bromfield, Jillian Barber, and Lachlan Monroe. A mysterious new shop opens in a small town which always seems to stock the deepest desires of each shopper with a price far heavier than expected. All right. Who wants needful? Who's the most needful for the things? Here's an idea. Don't shop there. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it's, it's, if I'm you listening. don't go to the store of the devil, you'll be fine. But everyone decides to go to the store of the devil 
because they're freaking morons. I mean, you know he's a monster because he says he's from Akron, Ohio. <laughs> That's your first clue. You know, lots of monsters like Jeffrey Dahmer and Scott Mendelson are from Akron, Ohio. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so don't go to the store. If you don't go to the store, you'll be fine, which is why the movie isn't particularly scary. Because all they have to do is not go to the fucking store. Go to a different store. Bob's General Store. They got everything you need, but no curses. Bob misses you. Go to his store. Don't go to this weird Leland God store. It's a bad idea. You're going to regret it. Ooh, scary. <laughs> <laughs> You're just playing for the YouTube clip. I get it. <laughs> I'll forget. Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> Smash oh, that subscribe button, but don't go to the fucking store. Finally, a, a, non, a non-Stephen King-centric podcast with my favorite critic, Scott Mendelson, is talking <laughs> needful things. I can't wait. That's the shirt, though. Get three stick figures, and one says, don't go to the fucking store, summer of 93 at 30. <laughs> Simple. Don't I fucking mean, go to the store. One of my favorite lines, which makes a you know, which works fine in context of a different Stephen King adaptation, it's an evil fucking store. <laughs> anyway, uh, I had never seen this. I knew of it when the book came out. I knew of it when the movie came out. It is really boring, and it is. This was back during that time when, quite frankly, Stephen King. Say what you will about him as an author, and. I think most of us will say mostly good things about him as an author, but Stephen movies based on Stephen King stories were often considered the bottom of the barrel with some obvious exceptions when it came to theatrical horror movies. Well, when it comes to the nineties, it's over the nineties, yeah. the, yeah, the, the early eighties, like post Carrie has some good stuff. Carrie was 1976. Yeah, right. Post Carrie, like right, coming right after, you have. Oh, stuff oh like, I'm sorry. I you apologize. Have, you have the Dead Zone. You have Christine. You've yeah. got The Shining. Mid-80s like you've got a run of good stuff. To early 90s. Yeah, Misery. That's sort of sort of a change in tune. Yeah. Which is after Misery, one, but it ends. What's interesting about this picture is that it was presented as a somewhat prestigious horror picture. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Because again, it's the oh, guy that wrote the Misery. It's, I mean, it's got all these real actors in it. Bonnie Bedelia, J.T. Walsh, Max von Sydow, Ed Harris. And it is really boring. It's almost like it's too upper crust respectable to be gruesome and gory and fun. It also feels based like one of the, th- you know, and ironically, there is a three-hour cut of this film that aired on television with deleted scenes, as sometimes happens. I did not watch that version because, jokes aside, dear God, I did not need another hour of this. It feels structured and based like one of the made-for-television miniseries that were relatively popular uh, in the early 90s. But this is a theatrical picture. And you can um, get Max von Sydow instead of Julian Sands, who's yes, still, exactly. still missing. Um, um, weird summer of ninety-three. <laughs> once you establish the very clear concept that you go to the store... It gives you some weird ass item that, in a very ironic name way, is exactly what you want. But look out, monkey's paw! 
but not in a particularly exciting way. You're it's basically that for two hours. Mm-hmm. It's the same scene over and over and over again. But the movies are rated, but it feels very bloodless. There's not a ton of violence. There's not a ton of gore. It's like rated it, R for rage. Yeah, basically. You know, it's R for profanity or, you know, thematic elements. R for and, JT. Roush. And it's just, it's <laughs> really boring. And I'm not going to say it's the worst Stephen King movie or even just theatrical stuff. The worst Stephen King, you know, made mo- based on a Stephen King book movie. Yeah. But it might be one of the most just genuinely unexciting and ungrossing and dull. Because, yeah, Maximum Overdrive is worse, but Maximum Overdrive is fun. You know, but that 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 intentionally or not, uh, this is not fun. It's not scary. It's not engrossing. It has a really strong cast that looks bored out of their minds in a boring it's, setting. Yeah, like this boring rock. setting. This town is just sitting there waiting for the stand to happen. Like that's what yes. this is. Like it's like, can we pass die so like someone can come wandering into us as a ghost town, please? Randall, like, save us. What's yeah. going on, uh, Gary? Yeah. <laughs> um, this was not remotely the worst movie of the summer of '93 in terms of, sure. but in terms of first time watches, I think this might have been the most disappointing for me. Mm. Yeah. Just because I expected to be entertained, and I wasn't. And it's the Castle Rock movie too. The only, yeah. and it's the only Castle Rock set movie produced by Castle Rock Entertainment. I didn't know that. Stakes but were that's high. Funny. Stakes were well, high. People love going to Dairy. I'm telling you. But Aaron. again, oh. just just before I let you go, don't go in the fucking store. Okay. Gotcha. Aaron, go into the store. Tell us what's uh No, don't go in the store. Yeah, I had seen before. this movie, so I was well aware that it was bad already. Um, and I watched it again and it was still bad. And the fact that there is a more needful things, the title of the TV version makes me wonder what the fuck did they watch on TV? Like this is there's, how many more visits to the shop do they to happened? Like like at the time of this recording, Kino had announced that they're putting out like a 4K with a new restored version of that three hour cut, and I'm like, good God, why? I'm glad we. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that didn't come out, so we didn't have to watch it just to be I, like. Yeah. What, it's exactly what Scott said as far as it's a very redundant film. So I'm like, mm-hmm. what possibly more could you have? <laughs> it's worth an hour's worth of time. I Oh, it's it's desperately bad. Uh, J.T. Walsh is having fun because he's J.T. Walsh. I'm surprised it's the first time we've seen him this summer, honestly. Yeah. Um, Ed Harris has never given a bad performance. So, like, it, you know, he's doing what he can with this. And Max von Sydow, you know, whatever. He's he's here. He's 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 animated enough, but... Yeah, this is a, this is this is bad. It's so it's for a film that's about people doing, you know, you know, getting things that, you know, will help them or what have you. It's a very uneventful film. Um well, even when there is like murder happening, it's just like okay, <laughs> moving on. Like there's no there's there's so little like stuff of consequence happening despite the movie wanting to frame it as if like everything's happening at uh, given moments even when there's like riots at the end it just kind of quickly ends it's like oh he shot his gun in the air i guess we're done like it's okay <laughs> like what's um it it has a pretty damn big explosion at the end of this movie oh yeah, like, yeah 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 like out of a uh, what's his name that, that director you like craig what's his name oh um Action Jackson. Craig, uh Bax- baxley Baxley, yeah, oh, I was oh, like the Stone Cold guy. Yeah, yeah, this, this is like a Baxley explosion. I was looking at that thing, and it's like, I was like, "Wow, that's Craig R. Baxley." 
Yeah. But but yeah, no, there's there's just nothing in this movie that's worthwhile in a yeah, in a way that makes you like compelled by what this story has to offer because it doesn't have anything to offer. Like I'm curious what this book is. I'm sure it probably reads better because it's yeah. You can you can take a chapter and you know sit on it for a while. Well, this you can was, be boring and redundant in a book with what this is doing. When yeah. it comes to the film, it's like, oh man. And it's not as though like having a slower paced Stephen King thing that has a lot of stars or what have you like sets you up for not having a lot to do. Like Dolores Claiborne's not exactly a thrill a minute movie, but it's a really well acted, well made piece of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even you know Shawshank or Green Mile, they're you know their own. They're these dramas that have like all character based like this movie had the opportunity to do a lot with at least these characters because you have an assortment of people here between Bedelia Walsh and Harris but it's like why is this so stagnant it's Mm -hmm. just it's a real and you know it it reminded me of not in a good way the many long and character focused and drawn out by virtue of the format you know television miniseries that we saw in the 90s but I mean, Storm of the Century is like 10 times better than this, even though it's three times as long, basically. They have like a goofy charm to them since they're TV yeah. movies. Right. Kind of like you would you admire the fact that they tried to do it, but you also like see the scenes of it because it's a TV movie. This has no real excuse to be what it is. It's just like you had everything you needed mm-hmm. and you nothing with it that's exciting. Yeah, it's it's like it's not it's not the worst Stephen King movie. You're not wrong there. Because I've seen bad Stephen King movies like Dreamcatcher, that fucking what's that phone? But Mr. Harris's phone from last year that was on Netflix. Good <laughs> lord, that movie is a bad off. movie. No, oh my god, it's so bad. Along with many, many others, because yes, they're the the heyday of Stephen King movies really passed. Given few exceptions aside, um, but yeah, the, the, the this one being as boring as it is just doesn't. Doesn't help it at all. I mean, either. I'll say the first half of Dreamcatcher is much better than this picture. Mm. Why'd you love this movie, Brandon? Oh, well, let me get into it. Uh, so we started this summer with the Tommyknockers, which is much better when it was on TV. But, oh, so you just stayed at home and got way better than this. Um, I you know, I like Max von Sydow here. He's being wasted by just limiting him to these scenes. Like, he sounds like he's doing some, like, good work on, like, these, like trailers like he sounds like he's got a trailer voice in this one and i kind of like i kind of dig what he's he's doing here where needful things works would have been television as an anthology series where each episode someone comes in asks for a needful thing and we get some horror story ally like tales from the crypt or friday the 13th the series that's what this is it doesn't work as a film it's not or you find a different way and stray from the source material to make it work as a film um, and I'm just, yeah, like it's repetitive. I did like, uh, Amanda Plummer and her turkey farmer hating dog adversary was like, had this cool duel to the death, uh, like rooftop, all sorts of I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And then we're right back to someone sh- showing yeah. up at the shop and yeah. fucking doing it. And, and no, nothing else ever reaches the high of the Amanda Plummer fight. Oh, yeah, and there. Yeah. She's one exactly. of the best actors in the movie doing her thing i like her and she's out by like the first act and i'm like god well who do we got uh and ed Harris, he's fine uh he does the little like point break hot fuzz thing with the ah shooting into the the sky which is funny um but yeah this is just like the settings dull as shit like i know this is like a king type setting but nothing going on yeah walsh 
he knows that he knows the gig. The score was good in this. I like the score. I thought the score delivered uh, pretty good. Uh, three hour version. No, thank you. I dare you? Nope. That is a commentary. Thing. I am not needful for that thing um, <laughs> oh, oh, at oh, all. Oh. Uh, but yeah, it's this was disappointing. I don't think I saw this bad. Like I was big on like horror and everything back then, but I think I was like, like sometimes they come back is better than this shit. Like, and it, this has like production value, but it's like just like someone didn't know what to do with the money. Like it, like I feel like the resources, everything's there, and it's just like this is dull. Uh, but Bonnie Bedelia looks bored as hell in yeah. this movie, and she gets some compelling yeah. stuff to 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 do, and it's like. It's like about making the whole town like angry at each other, um, which what what is the thing where like all the people got mad at each other and tried to kill each other in a town? I've seen it before, done better. Like this concept of people getting angry uh, and fighting each other. It's like the Batman Begins, where all the people—that's <laughs> one of the things. I, I know it's there's something else where people get angry. That was like a thing, but. Uh yeah, like the crazies or the crazies, yeah, oh, yeah, bad, yeah, or, or any number of yeah, like virus breaks out and everyone goes nuts. Yeah, kind of. and it's just I don't know. They're in the solution to it, whatever. Like it, it's well, like the solution still is. It's, it's literally like he shoots his gun. Everyone's like, oh what? <laughs> like what's it? Loud sounds, loud sounds. <laughs> really, got, really got carried away there. Yeah. Uh yeah so yeah this is not um and it it feels like forever and yeah like I thought it started out I was like okay she was okay cool the fight and then enter store get item tragic thing happens repeat enter store yes I, and then you get like Maximus Saito he had to have been bored just like okay so I, I so I, I walk walk around into frame and sit down again and then just compellingly look over at them as they enjoy the thing yeah. That's what I do. Oh, okay. Uh, the the said Heston's involved with this. Yeah, Heston. Heston's involved in this. Yeah. This this did inspire something much better, which was the logo font for Stranger Things was based <laughs> off the Needful Things logo. So there's that. It has that going for They're it. Both things. They're both <laughs> things. Oh, and um, yeah. Do you think? In his heart of hearts, that Stephen King thinks this is better than Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Oh, I'm sure he does a moonwalk every time he looks at needle right. things. Oh, they nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, finally. <laughs> Got it. But yeah, I just ooh, sorry, son of Heston. Like, I liked your Treasure Island. Oh, that's nice. Uh, couldn't convince your. What if Charlton to... Heston was the Max von Sydow character in this? You got to take some of these things off my hands. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh, get Dad in here to play that guy. But wear this necklace; it'll change your life. Wear it down to or shop somewhere else. <laughs> Why you want to shop here? And I mentioned the discounts. Needful things is angry people. It's angry people. All right. Uh, were the people needful? The prices yeah. are low, but you pay with your life. Unless All you right. shop at Bob's, in which case the prices are low 
and there's no curse. Oh, Bob's curse free. All right. Not local. The only cursing is the F word. All right. So, Scott, were people needful for the things this weekend at the box office? No. Wait, wrong chart. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not. Uh, the Fugitive was number one yet again for the fourth weekend in a row, earning $14.5 million, dropping just 20%, um, which, again, ridiculous legs. Uh, $111 million at the end of 28 days. By default, Needful Things was the top-grossing new release of the weekend. Um, although there's a caveat I'll get to in a second. The film opened to just $5.2 million in 1963 theaters. It would top out at $15 million. Uh, that's a bomb. Uh, hard Target would drop a hearty, mm-hmm. unfortunate 50% uh, for $5 million Ooh. in its second weekend, coming up to 185 Because, I mean, A... You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme had a fan base. And B, I would imagine people not used to John Woo probably thought Hard Target was a little weird for a Van Damme film. It's also... But they would get better. They would learn. The top four films here are very adult-heavy, too. So there's a lot of competition. Um, Man Without a Face would open in fourth place with $4 million, but only on only 865 screens. So it would have a nearly double per-screen average of Needful Things. Uh, it would earn, I'd open on a Wednesday, so it had $5.2 million. So if it opened on Friday, it would have been the top opener. Uh, it would eventually earn approximately $37 million worldwide. Mm. A good, solid number. Uh, number five, uh, The Secret Garden. Kicking so, ass. Shit, Warner Brothers has one, two, three, four movies in the top <laughs> yeah. five. Oh, wow. Jesus. Um. Anyway, uh, Secret Garden, $3.3 million minus 22% for an $18.2 million 17-day total. Jurassic Park, still kicking around, minus 22%, $2.9 million for a $311 million end of 12 weekend total. Number seventh place, we've got Rising Sun sticking around, $2.8 million minus 30%, 52.7 after five weekends. Number eight in the line of fire, uh, at uh, $2.6 million, dropping just 24%. Again, you had really strong legs for these old over pictures because that's just the way these things worked back then. Except for Hocus Pocus, because fuck that movie. That yeah. was in 11th place, dropped 46% in seventh weekend. But that's skipping around a little bit. Uh, in the Line of Fire had $93.7 million at the end of its eighth weekend. Ninth place was Free Willy, 2.2, minus 27, $63 million. Tenth place was Good Old Sleepers in Seattle. Tenth place, tenth weekend, $2 million, minus 20%, $109 million and, and counting. And that is the top 10. The top uh, 11, if you count. We have uh, three of our other films, <laughs> too, like... Uh... Uh, only the oh, strong. Fuck. I have only, to look this up now. Only the strong was in 14th place with 1.2 million above fatherhood at 15. With 3.2 million dollars. Yeah, it would eventually earn 3.2 million. Okay, I'm assuming they just stopped bothering after the opening weekend. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> who are we fucking? Kidding? I can't believe only the strong top fatherhood. Look at that battle. Yeah. Are they about top- okay? Yeah, better trailer. Shut up time. What was the best movie of the week? Of the week for me this weekend. uh, I enjoyed Thing Called Love more than all the others. 
Oh, Man of Adam Vase is the only good movie I watched this week. So, yeah, that. Yeah, I would agree with Aaron by default. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and one of what our. Shitty penultimate episode. What Jesus, a, yeah, Brandon. one of our next week movies placed in the top 16, but uh, we'll talk about that <laughs> Jesus. next week. Um, so, yeah, that'll do it for the week of the was August 27th through 29th. A five film memorable Ugh. things uh, where we had the polite disclaimer that Scott told us not to shop at Needful Things. Don't shop buy Shop anywhere it. else. Uh, so, Scott, where can they shop for you? TheRap.com. I'm on Twitter at, at, at Scott Mendelson, and that's about it. All right. Aaron. I am writing for Lead of Entertainment uh, for movie reviews, Wise of Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. Uh, I host a podcast with my friend Abe called Out Now with Aaron and Abe. We talk about weekly movie releases um, and all kinds of other fun stuff. And I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brand4KUHD, written work at WiseofBlue.com. Next week, the finale of the <gasps> summer of 93 at 30. Our calendar girl tells us the time is up in California and time to take down the fortress of the son of the Pink Panther. So all that and more as the summer 93 at 30 continues. Wait, wait, wait. Is there a cliffhanger ending? Is Aaron getting killed off tonight? Cliffhanger already happened in May. Yeah, yeah. Cliffhanger was uh, earlier on in summer of 93, Scott. I'm the last action hero, Scott. Yeah. Will Scott shop at Needful Things? No. <laughs> Tune in. Anywhere else. He's from Akron, Ohio. That's you know he can't be trusted. If you move around Akron, it like spells Satan somehow. Like that's what it's Necra. Necra Necra, which means in some other alright. Come back next week. Summer ninety three at thirty concludes. It's a summer of ninety three at thirty. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. The Summer of and News Themes by Press Maxson. Additional information on this and other episodes at thebrandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at thebrandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.